0: It's a pleasure to welcome back Dawson Schultz of The Ongoing Concept. Thanks so much for coming to The Antidote, Dawson. David, it's been awesome just chatting with you before
1: the show. Um, I, I still, I, you told me a little bit, but I, can't, I still can't remember. We did connect in the past, but were you actually physically interviewing us, or was it just a over-the-phone thing back in 2015?
0: No, you and I were actually sitting at a Tim Hortons having a coffee together. Oh, and that yeah. was in Toronto in 2016. Okay.
1: Yeah, that was a crazy day too. So th- my mind is a, probably a little shuffled because for one, that was the first time we played Canadian shows and I am Canadian myself, but it was the first time we actually had played any any shows and I remember it being really tough to like get our gear in. It was just a really crazy time. So I do remember that now, but it was um, a lot happening <laughs> that day. <laughs> Crossing the border for bands is so difficult. It was really difficult. The day before, I believe, we're in Montreal. And that was really weird because for some reason, it's like, if you don't speak French, they look at you like you're an idiot. And it's like, well, yeah, because we're, we're um, from America, I'm sorry that I, I don't know what you're talking about, but they stopped us at the border and we were there for like three hours and it was really... I mean, I've been to the border a million times being Canadian and going back and forth because I live up in northern Idaho. So, Mm -hmm. you know, B.C. is only 100 miles away and that was where I was born was um, British Columbia. So I'm used to it, but that was a really rough three hours. The whole entire tour package was stopped at the border. I think they even did like a, 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 there's a show that is like Border Patrol that like search people and blah, blah, blah. I think they were actually filming and they actually filmed in one of the tour, it was Sleepwaves bus they did an episode (laughs) on it. Yeah. And so it was like, they had to stay even longer because they were doing the show. It was just such a crazy time, but I do remember our talk now that you brought it up. Yeah.
0: So you have to explain this, your dual citizenship.
1: Yes. Um, so my whole family is Canadian. My mom and my dad were born in Creston, um, British Columbia. And we were all born basically all in the same hospital. It's it's crazy. Like and only 100 miles um, north of where I live now. But we were able to become dual citizen because my grandpa was an American. And my mom and my dad really – especially my dad because he's he's owned his own ele- uh, electrical company since mm-hmm. like I was born, like 30 years now. And it's in that area of Canada – Creston, BC. There's just not a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurship in a way. My dad really wanted to take his business to the next level, so for like ten years, my mom and my dad just lived in America on like a resident alien kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked for a while. But of course, my mom really wanted to to stay here as long as she, or forever, if she could. And so, because of my grandpa being American, she was able to do the the citizenship. It took a long, long time, and they had to do a lot of stuff. Pay quite a bit of money, I think. And then I had to do like a test and all this stuff. Like it was like a long endeavor to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because me and my two brothers uh, were under the age of 18, when they became citizens, we got grandfathered in and we didn't have to do anything. We just automatically became (laughs) US citizens. So we got very lucky. And within, I think it was like the year or two years after this all happened, the chain of using your like father as an american citizen to become a citizen it doesn't exist anymore so my mom was able to just get just slide in right before that law was passed that you can't do it that way
0: so we got very lucky yeah some things in life are just too difficult to comprehend
1: yeah and I, of course i was so young i didn't even understand what was happening but now i look at it and i'm like it's so it's so nice to be able to have
0: dual citizenship like just because it's... It's so convenient. It's very convenient, yeah. Okay, well, back to 2016, at that point, you and I were talking about the release of Handmade, so that was your sophomore album. That was, yes. You know, following that, something serious happened. The band lost all of its original lineup, except for you. I never (laughs) heard the story. Like, what happened?
1: Um, Well, I've done the elevator speech a bunch, on this one, because it's basically the same question that I get asked every single time. Mm-hmm. But but we're in a. I feel like it's easier to talk about it in this setting with you. You have a better way of um, asking me these questions, <laughs> so <laughs> I can I can break it down a little bit more, like in depth. Um, so you know, we did that tour with Norma Jean and Sleepwave and 68 and everything. And literally, the day we got home was when the guys actually told me that they were leaving. And I had no idea, like it was kind of a crappy situation. Like there was not really any, there was a lot of immature communication, like in every department, my mine included. And it was a little devastating, obviously, because it's like your whole band just quit. And, and for me, I was very much attached to the band in such a way that my whole identity was the band. Mm-hmm. Wake up every morning and there's nothing else other than the band you know your family is second your relationship you know is third like who knows like what it is it's but but number one is always the band so it was was a little bit of a jarring thing and so yeah that's basically what happened and i guess i obviously a lot of bitterness happens from a lot of that uh, at first and um but i wanted to keep it going so i i Got some good buddies of mine. Some of them have been involved with the ongoing concept behind the scenes. Um, Ian Nelson, who has helped me with a lot of music videos in the past, he became our bass player. Um, Andy Croteau, who has helped me with a lot of stuff as well, and also was like he played like the sheriff in the saloon video. Like, he's just been a long time friend. Yeah, he he joined as the guitar player, uh, and then. Uh, my other friend, Cody, who had toured with us as a touring drummer, because a lot of times Parker was in school when we were touring and he couldn't do it because he just didn't want to homeschool. He just didn't have the drive to, to homeschool. And so we had Cody tour with us quite a bit for like three years. And so I had Cody join as well. So here we have three new members, basically more of like a touring act. And I'm just like the soul member i guess but you know we we did grow as a band through that um when we started touring again and you know we kind of made it like a permanent member change but mm-hmm. yeah and then we wrote the next album places and of course i was all bitter kind of towards my brothers and, and tj like throughout the entire album cycle it just sucked because there's a lot of financial stuff that kind of was underlining that that I kind of got stuck with and there's just a lot of things that communication would have helped a lot and now that we're all back together like it's we joke about it because it was just such an immature time of all of our lives but it really boiled down to the fact that like Parker really needed a new he just needed to live a normal life like Mm -hmm. he just needed to go to school I think he was in 10th grade or 11th grade at the time He just wanted to finish out his time. He wanted to make friends that were his age. He wanted to wake up in his own bed every morning and just kind of do what he wanted to do instead of having, you know, two other brothers looming over him. So that was his biggest reason, I think. Kyle had just gotten married um, at the time. And I think at the same time, too, he just wanted to be a married, you know, husband and work a normal job and make money and like not have to worry about financial stuff. You wanted to get a a well-paying job. That's the thing is that when you're touring in these bands at the level we were at, you're basically barely breaking even. Mm -hmm. And when you mean breaking even, I mean you're breaking even in the sense that you've not lost any money, but yet no one has actually made any money because you've just gone six weeks without working a single day. You're not bringing any of that money. You're not, we're not paying. We're not, no one's on salary. We're just making enough money that we came home. We don't have to actually owe anything. But not a single person has been paid for their time. So, I mean, think about trying to have a family on that. At some point, it does start to get better. But, like, we still had probably another year, if not two, of doing that same thing before we actually started making as much money as we would if we are working a full-time job. It's not sustainable for anybody, realistically, especially when you're just married. So, I mean, that was the biggest reason for Kyle, I think. And TJ was the same way. You know, he he wanted to just get a job and live life and and grow up and and just experience things and not be stuck in a van all the time. So that was really like the big part of it. It also had to boil down to the fact that I, I was very controlling. Like I do everything myself, but it, it was getting to a point where I was micromanaging everything and no one wants to be micromanaged beyond micromanaged. And I just had a way of like, if you can't figure it out within ten minutes, I'm gonna just do it myself. And like, I just didn't let anyone do anything because I was so particular on how I wanted everything to sound, look, be, and this and that. And so I felt like I think everyone felt like they just weren't even a part of the band. They were just in for the ride and didn't have any input anymore. So, you know what?
0: You sound like me.
1: <laughs>
0: what? Oh, really? What do you mean? Like, have you been like that? Is it? That- Oh, it's just everything's gotta be done perfectly and that is how it has to be. And you yeah. can't spend time for training because they're just gonna do it myself. Yeah, and that's the thing, is like it's a skill to let
1: go and understand that it might not come out the way that you imagined it, but it could still be good. And I've it's taken me six years of learning that behavior i guess and it's not easy it's not easy to let go and let someone else take over because Mm -hmm. it's like going such against the grain of your soul to not get involved so i don't know i mean we've all just grown up so much i think honestly throughout those six years like since all this happened throughout all of that like everybody grew up a lot like kyle now has two kids um, so he's happily married and has kids family doing his thing has a cool house that he just bought with 10 acres and him and his wife are like building like an airbnb thing and like he lives off the grid doesn't really have a phone barely can get a hold of him if i want to um he's a no social media like kyle is off the grid he's awesome and parker similar to the same way like he's very much like kind of doing his own thing and you know, he's getting married in July and uh, TJ is doing his own thing. Yeah, there's so much progression and learning that happened within the last six years. But I think what kind of brought us all back was just having those growing up years, but then also like starting to hang out as more like a family and, and friends slash brothers. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, we were, we were just business partners and brothers. And there wasn't really any friendship there, like especially between me and Parker and Kyle. Kyle and Parker were friends beyond the band. But me, I wasn't friends with my brothers beyond the band, which is actually very unhealthy when you look back on it. But you're brothers, so you don't realize that there's a difference between brothership and friendship. And if those aren't the same, then there's definitely like something wrong. You can't just say, well, we're fine because we're brothers. No, it doesn't always work that way. I thought it did. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. And so I spent... A couple years 2018 2019 early 2020 just becoming friends with my brothers and it was it was slow you know it was slow Mm because I was still a little bitter and everything but a big part of the change I think in me was I got a job working in the mental health field and uh, which I've really been passionate about and I'm very passionate about the company I work for and seeing them grow and I think the second thing was I found um, my now wife Emily, who we met in 2019, started dating in 2019. And um, I think she is a big reason why I have changed who I am a lot. And all of those variables, I think, made us come back together. And it was kind of just like a slow thing. But after a while, we were like, hey, let's, uh, let's just see what happens if we start to write a song together. And it kind of became that, you know, coming over like once a week and just more so hanging out. Not always writing anything. We just hang out and watch stupid YouTube videos and laugh and have fun. Mm-hmm. But we do a little bit of writing here and there and and things started to come together. And I had no I had no like plans for ongoing concept stuff because I was like, there's nothing to really lose. Like everyone has accepted that the band is kind of like done. at least like you know people on the outside. So all we have is to just you know just have fun and see if anything comes of it. But the more we started writing, the more we started enjoying what we were doing. And then the more the ideas of actually doing a full album came about.
0: Okay, so you've had the situation with your brothers, and as you said, their brothers and their bandmates and their business members. How differently did you treat the new lineup that you had for Places? It had to be a whole different dynamic. Yeah,
1: it was definitely a different dy- dynamic for sure. I mean, I was the youngest in that group I I was the oldest with everybody else but I was now the youngest of this new group and I definitely approached things differently because I had just lost you know three people and I wanted to not have that happen again and so I definitely did a lot of self-reflecting on what I could do differently and I mean with this group there was a lot more of like a I at least I felt I don't know if that's how they felt but I definitely felt like it was more of like you're kind of a touring member And you're not really like the ongoing concept. It's kind of me. But at the same time too, they did offer a lot of stuff when we are writing places. You know, there was a lot of, especially Andy. And that's why Andy is still in the band now is because Mm -hmm. Andy provided um, tons of creative help. And he's an amazing writer. And like he was the most adamant about being a part of the ongoing concept. The other two were great too. And I, I totally think, they were really into it as well. But I think they also had their other things. And you know, Ian was in a bunch of other bands at the same time. And he's moved on to to totally different style of music. I I think metalcore was not really his forte. Mm -hmm. But also, I still kind of had my my, um, controlling vibes that I think didn't mesh well with them as well. And I, I think the different thing about them was that they straight up told me that I was being a horrible person sometimes (laughs) Uh, where my brothers would tell me it too. But like when it's your brothers telling you, sometimes you kind of just like brush it off a little bit more. Um, But with these guys, it was a little bit more, uh, I don't know. It's just a different whole different like vibe. And I I definitely enjoyed it. It was definitely fun, uh, but it just never really felt like the same as having, you know, the original guys.
0: So it was a different vibe having the guys there. And something else was that lineup, as you'd already mentioned, created places. And that album, I find to be different because I was considered a, maybe a bit more toned down compared to your previous releases. Or am I misreading that album?
1: No, it's totally different. Like, because, you know, that was the thing was that once Kyle decided to quit, I now had to take on the screaming duties and become frontman, which, I mean, I. I i know how to scream i know how to do those things but it was like now i have to do that plus i have to sing and it was like all this stuff so i think with that album i was really trying to kind of find a way to uh, do less screaming more singing and just make it so that i wouldn't be dead by the end of a set because like <laughs> right. trying to do some of these songs like saloon or like cover girl or like any songs that involved, you know, going back and forth between Kyle and I, I now had to do all myself, which is exhausting. So I think with this record I, or with places, I was much more focused on like, how can I survive a set with these songs opposed to like what sounds good? So definitely a little bit toned down um, due to just future thinking, <laughs> I guess you could say. But I was really, I was kind of over like, the really crazy thrashy stuff and i was really into more of like the groovy singing stuff at the time which i still am actually i'm probably more so even now i i was just wanting to do something with a little bit more like singing i guess at the end of the day
0: really what i consider to be one of the standouts from places is bargain and really that might be the mildest song the ongoing concept has ever done yeah, that is a pretty mild. I mean, Sidelines is pretty mild. Um,
1: there's a Melody as well that's pretty mild on Handmade. But yeah, Bargain is pretty, pretty, pretty mild.
0: You know, something else about it is that it's also introspective. I am where I was meant to be. Am I going where I planned? So the question is, did you find the answer?
1: Um, I found the answer now. I, I don't... <laughs> that the funny thing about that uh, i don't even want to say it that funny thing about that song that song is about my (laughs)
0: ex-girlfriend and it's about uh well you did find the answer because now it's somebody completely different who you married yes yes
1: (laughs) yes but it's weird because that song is about my um lack of commitment Due to touring all the time, mm-hmm. and it's just not holding up my end of the deal and kind of focusing more on my band than I am focusing on the relationship. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to an extent, I think you're right, I did find the right person, and I think now I definitely have a grasp on how to maybe manage those a little bit better. Uh, I would definitely hope so. I don't want to be that person anymore. so uh yeah i i I find it funny that you brought that song up it's been a long time since i've listened to it and i can't really remember how it goes and i don't i don't really know the lyrics (laughs) if you (laughs) you try to if you try to drill me on
0: lyrics i'm going to be so lost (laughs) there's something else about bargain and that's the high notes you sang on some of the vocals so i don't know were your pants too tight when you were recording it yeah, i uh,
1: <laughs> trying to think, because I do, I, yeah, at the very end, is, I get really high up there. Really, really high. Uh, I don't know. I just, like, those notes sometimes are just a lot easier for me to sing than they are to do lower notes. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a range that's kind of weird. Like, it, it fits in a certain threshold um, in the lower register, but then... There's like a big block where it's really hard for me to find an in-between. Like I, I have to push really hard or I have to kind of like go to an octave lower. And then there's this other range that's really high that's incredibly easy for me to hit. So sometimes I find myself going to that register and doing that. It, it often depends on the key of the song. Mm-hmm. If it's in A sharp, which I think that song might be, then I can really hit those high notes with ease. If it's a song like in the key of E, we're really struggling. If it's in the key of G, we're also really struggling. So over the years, I've had to figure out what keys work best. But my brother did bring up the point the other day, because I was like, we should just write every song in one key. And he's like, no, I think the reason why the Ongoing Concept is able to stay a little bit more unique is because we have we have songs in every single key. Like Exactly. I, I think the only key we haven't done yet is like either G-sharp or F-sharp, but yeah, we just we just go all over the place. And it, we just like to see what fits best. And I think that kind of helps us stay a little bit different than than other bands. Because listening to a full record in the same key does get a little bit monotonous after a while.
0: You just brought this up. Something that there's no question about is that the ongoing concept is likely the wildest band in the entire music scene. I mean, your style head's all over the place. You incorporate so many genres, and sometimes even in a single song, do you think it's really okay to be unpredictable?
1: Um, so the thing is like I, I hate like being a gimmick. Like that's always been like a fear of mine is becoming a gimmick. And so I put a lot of time into making sure that we don't cross that threshold. Like I think CoverGirl is probably the most gimmicky we've ever been. I think that song too was the start catalyst of me really taking the reins back and like looking at it like sleeping on something first before I actually like pull the trigger because after that song came out, everyone just assumed that we were banjo core or something like that. And it's not what we are at all. Mm-hmm. So I started to really take my time to figure out like, what does the song actually like need opposed to like, what could we throw in it to throw people off? When I write a song and I get to a spot where I don't know where the song is going to go. I'll usually just try a few things, but oftentimes, like I'll just think about what it could be. And if I get like chills or like goosebumps of thinking about what that could be, then I'm like, oh, maybe we should try something like that. Like it's really weird how I write music because we don't write like in a a room where we're all playing the instruments and then come up with the music. We all kind of write in the box, recording in our Pro Tools or whatever. So mm-hmm. we are we are constantly recording and a lot of the stuff we do in demo is is good enough quality. So I have a legitimate studio here, like good enough quality that, you know, we can save that for the final take at the end of the day. But oftentimes we're just writing in blocks and then, you know, we're not really sure we're going to go next. And then it's like, well, let's just add like an eighties synth wave thing here and see what happens. (laughs) And then, you know, so it's like, oh yeah, there's there's not really a lot of, it's not really a lot of like, Oh, this would be crazy cuz people would think it's crazy type thing. It's more just like it would be really cool and I think it'd sound really cool if we did this.
0: That's just kind of how we roll. I don't know. Going back to cover girls since you mentioned it. It sounds like you almost regret having recorded the song.
1: I don't regret it at all. It was a perfect song. Like 100% great. Like the banjo was great. Like everything about that song was absolutely in there for a reason like the banjo came because it felt like that would be a great thing to add Mm -hmm. i think the only thing was like after hearing all of the banjo core stuff and hearing people just assume that we were just this like crazy like southern rock bluegrass banjo crazy screamo band i started to realize like i don't want to be put into like uh one category i want to make sure that like if we're doing this we're doing it for a reason so instead of me adding more banjo to more songs or adding like i don't know i'm trying to think of like a good example like like what if we did a song with like sitar or something like off the wall like it would feel at that point a little bit more gimmicky so i just Mm -hmm. i use that that song was just a learning curve of like you know be careful because you could step over that line and then now everyone just associates you with like the weird instruments in songs band and
0: not like a band that just has like good wholesome songs now you had some fun with Cover Girl. It wasn't a parody of it, but you had some fun with it on the Places release, because the Prince says, "We've done oh, something yeah. like this before. We're just writing the coattails of another song. I don't <laughs> want to do this one." So you were laughing at yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know it's funny because like we were thinking about like for this for the new album, there's a reason why that song, there's no Cover Girl again song on the new record because I forgot uh till you know we were naming the songs and coming up with the concepts so is that we already did a part two of uh Cover girl in Places. Yeah, you're right. Forgot about that. I mean I didn't forget about it, but I, it's funny that you are that well versed in our discography. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's been six years since Places. And now as you've said the ongoing concept is back with virtually the original lineup. Yes. so you were talking about speaking with your brothers about coming back in and coming up with song ideas was everybody gung-ho at that point
1: um I was worried about Parker
0: because Parker has never really liked
1: playing live he hasn't really enjoyed the fame he doesn't he just likes to do his own thing he just he just likes to work on trucks and his new thing now is he buys like 19. 30s 40s uh, tractors and refurbishes them and then resells them like that's this Mm -hmm. like he just loves that type of stuff he just loves to be in his own element and do his own thing and not really have to deal with like the public i guess uh and kyle's the same way too but i think i was more worried that parker would just not want to do it because of those things but it was really weird because he was actually incredibly interested and so was tj which i thought would be not into it either. And Kyle, Kyle was the first to be like, "Yeah, let's do it," but I don't know if maybe it was just a turning point in like our friendship, brothership that maybe made them think, oh, "Let's let's do this and give it a second shot," or maybe they just missed it more than they thought they would. So you mean it wasn't mom and dad saying, "You guys better get back together"? No, <laughs> no. I mean, honestly. I think my parents kind of like the fact that the band, like they love the band, the, the most supportive parents ever. But I think sometimes they were incredibly like nervous of all three of their kids traveling across the country all the time. Cause, you know, <laughs> you get into a car crash, they could lose all three kids in one single day, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that always was a nerve wracking point. So I think, I think us not really doing the band anymore and, and them quitting and then me you know kind of calling it quits back like 2017 i think is when i kind of said this is like the last tour we're going to do i think they kind of breathed a sigh of relief a little bit but they definitely weren't like you guys need to figure it out now they just support everything that we do individually and then if, if the band were to come back then they would be super happy and they are they're incredibly stoked about everything we're doing now
0: we should talk about that new album sure you did something odd with again the new album the release has got a whole series of callbacks to songs from your previous albums. Why take that route? I don't understand.
1: It's funny that you say route. I get made fun of so much for the, my, my Canadian accent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Route. <laughs> Rout, Is it route? Yeah. Is that it's, how they say it in the States? It's route, yeah. Route. And you say
1: process. We say process. Like It's just different. And I'm so used to it because all my extended family talks that way. But I I find it funny because when I do talk to someone in Canada, I'm just like, oh, yeah. It's like I'm talking to my cousins right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we went that route for a number of reasons. We had no idea we we're actually going to go with the record. At first, the first song we wrote was Feel Again. And we actually spent like six months writing that song, four or five, six months. And we were just going to do a single. We didn't know if we we're going to do a full album. It was just us testing the waters to see if we really wanted to do the ongoing concept thing again. And it was kind of like a rusty couple months because we hadn't written any music and we hadn't written any music together since like 2014. Because, you know, Handmade might have come out in 2015, but we were writing that stuff back in 2014. And so it was a long time of just. Getting all the dust out of the writing gears, I guess you could say. And so the first song took a long time. I think through that we like learned that we really enjoyed it, and that's when we decided to like do the full record. But months later, we were you know writing new songs, and what ended up happening was I went back into my old sessions uh, on my old Mac Tower computer from two thousand and eight. It's an old beast. Mm. It has all of our old sessions on it, and I still love the thing. I still. Like, honestly, I wish I could put all the new things that are 2023 plugins and stuff on it. But I just love that computer. And so I have all of these old sessions on Pro Tools on it. And I was just going through like Saloon and Handmade and Places and like looking at kind of diving into, you know, maybe like soloing certain sections and just diving into some of those, those tracks and just seeing what we were doing, but also going back and, and going to some of the old demos that never made it onto the record. There's a lot. I mean, they're not full songs, but they're oftentimes like, you know, like a minute long of just an idea that was scrapped. Mm -hmm. And just kind of getting my brain put into the same vibe that we were in at the time, because I really wanted to make sure if we're going to do a record, I don't want this record to be so, like, different that people go, okay, Ongoing Concept came out with a new record, but it sounds nothing like they used to sound. I didn't want that to be the thing. I wanted people to go, wow, they sound mature, but it's classic TOC, you know, and so... I think through that we started going through all these sessions and I started to kind of, I don't know, like I was struggling with like a, a new summer writing and I couldn't think of lyrics or think of like an idea of the song and I'd be listening to um, like Unwanted from Handmade. I'd just be diving in and I'm like, oh, I wonder if like I just used like that little part from Unwanted and just put those lyrics into this new song that I'm struggling with. So I uh, I started singing some random stuff from the unwanted lyrics and all of a sudden it worked out and I'm like oh this is cool what if I add some phrasing and maybe melody from unwanted into this new song too Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden some of the key phrasing and lyrics from unwanted again are because of that so that really just kind of epiphany happened all in one day and I was like man what if we did that with like all of our songs like not too much of the same thing but just enough that people could could reference that and go, oh, that's really cool. And then they could go back and listen to those songs and kind of hear where the ideas of the new songs came from. Mm-hmm. And then it would it would kind of force people to have to listen to our back catalog a little bit more.
0: You know what this is like? It's like grafting a tree. You're taking a graft from the old songs and placing it on the new ones to make a whole new entity.
1: That's a very good way to put it. That's exactly what we did. I wish I would have thought of that well, a lot of people don't know what Graphene a Tree is. So it <laughs> <laughs> might be over people's heads. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. You know, and that's the thing, is that it's been kind of hard, though, to explain to people. These are not covers, these are not reimagined songs. These are brand new songs, but with callbacks to, you know, the classics
0: of, of our past records. You know, I have a lot of favorites from your band, but Prisoner Again is a song from again that really tops my list. I mean, listeners really have to go and see the video, you know, with Kyle hanging out of the pickup truck, just screaming the vocals. <laughs> I mean, really, this is powerful stuff. That was fun. But let's take it back to the title. Aren't all of us prisoners in one form of another?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the thing. Our lyrics are often very metaphorical. Like We don't necessarily want to pinpoint a topic. We kind of just want people to be able to make out their own story through Mm -hmm. our songs. And so I don't really exactly know what Prisoner Again is all about uh, because you can take it any way you want. I think it was partially about – I don't even know. I think TJ wrote a lot of the lyrics for this song. But yeah, we're all prisoners in one way or another. And I think it's kind of cool because it kind of shows, you know, it kind of is a good, good starting uh, music video and song because it's like people want to know where, where we've been. Well, we've been prisoners. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. And then we, we strip all of our jumpsuits off and throw them in the fire at the end. And then we're back to, to what we were. So yeah, there's like just so many different ways to interpret
0: that song. And I, I, think, I think it's awesome. You have to admit that your sound must cost you as a band because not everybody's going to accept the ongoing concept and the music that you're putting out. You know, and I guess you've already brought this up, but the thing is having a band and making music it is also a business. Yes. So has that ever give you second thoughts about what you're creating? Um, there is times where I'm
1: like, why don't we just cut the screaming, cut it all and just go poppy or something like that. Or maybe just go country or something, (laughs) something (laughs) like, um,
0: bring the banjo back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time too, like I do appreciate, and I, I think I just have a hard time sleeping at night. If I kind of went the route where it's like, you're a gimmick at this point or you're just doing it for clicks and views, but your heart isn't there because it's fake. Like mm-hmm. I really like to have integrity with my music, and so everything we put out is is solely who we are, and it's not trying to be something we aren't. And I think that just morally sits right with all of us. Like I just don't think I can't see Kyle or Parker or T. J. and Andy being okay with with going down a different avenue just to like make more money because we all have jobs and we're all happy with where we're at. We're at a good spot, and I—I I don't think we need to like be the richest people in the world. So,
0: <laughs> well, tell me when you first signed with a record label. Were you really thinking that you were going to be making money out of being a band?
1: I think we thought we would maybe, but we were also very young. And I think the concept of a label is associated with like the '90s or the '80s, where you're kind of instantly going to be like a big band. We knew that that wasn't really the the case, but. I think we thought there would be a little bit more money in it than what ended up happening. And I know that there is still that spot, but like I said earlier, I think we still had another year or two of grinding and making nothing before we would have crossed that threshold. And that just did not seem feasible or realistic at the time.
0: So with your sound, you mentioned a little while ago about it being metal. Is that how you visualize the ongoing concept?
1: I have always visualized us as just a band that plays music. I'll say rock sometimes, but I just think that our music is so different that. (laughs) So all over the place? Yeah, I think it's unfair to put us into like a metalcore um, genre, even though it's like we're forced to kind of have to throw that genre in. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if we have to use hashtags on something, it's like you always got to use metalcore because it's true there are a lot of songs that fit right in there with metalcore scene but if anyone like listens to our record from front to back it's just it seems like the metalcore ones seem to like hit harder and do better on spotify or youtube or itunes you know um but at the same time too like i think some of our best songs are the ones that are nothing like that genre and uh i don't know i just like to say rock band personally When I when people ask, it's just easier.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's just simplify it for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because I'll say, oh, we're like a heavy heavy metal band. And we'll be like, oh, like Kiss? Or like, I don't know. Like sometimes you'll get a slipknot in there. But most of the time it starts with like classic rock. Like, oh, so you guys are like Kiss? Like really heavy? I'm like, no. <laughs> that's so I, – I, and at that point I just shut down and I'm just like, yeah. We're just a band. We just We have some screaming and stuff and – it's not even worth my time to explain what we are, and uh, I'm okay with that,
0: because it doesn't matter. When people have asked me about your band, and I said, I can't describe it. You just have to listen to it and hear what it's all about, because you can't describe it.
1: I I like when people say that. I've heard that a few times, too. Like They don't describe us by anything other than you just need to go listen to it for yourself. Because like, that's the thing is... Um, If there's a really good TV show that I like or movie that I like, I oftentimes will use that same thing. I'll be like, I can't really describe it to you. You just need to go watch it and see it for yourself. Um, so to me, if someone says that to me, I'm often one to be more intrigued when I've told that rather than using something else to describe something, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, do, I do appreciate that that's how you, you tell people about yeah. us.
0: Well, see, the thing is, is that, the ongoing concept loves to mess around with genres like with failures and fakes again you know i really can't think of any other way to describe it except as an aggressive dance track
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but see but
0: it's also serious because it says friends i found out the hard way i'm just a failure it's not enough to say that you're not blameless i mean like what brought that on
1: Kyle definitely wrote the lyrics for this song, and it's definitely a lot of callbacks to the failures and fakes from Saloon for sure. Mm-hmm. Another thing too is like, Parker and Kyle and TJ had a podcast called the Failures and Fakes podcast. I think that those words failure, failure and fakes, and like all those whatever is used in the lyrically in that song are very like dear to I think Kyle a lot. Just because yeah, we all we're all failures. We're all make mistakes and we do stupid stuff. Like there's no one that's above being a failure you know and I think that we have seen enough of ego and narcissism in the music industry over years of touring that it's just kind of like it's humbled us in the sense that we have found ourselves in spots where we have been a little bit egotistical especially me and I think that's just a good it's just a good motto or way of living is to is to always know in the back of your mind that we're all we're all in this together we're all failures we're not perfect no one's perfect.
0: It's funny that you bring that up because the more that I've listened to again, the more I keep finding the songs are dealing with self-doubt. Do you think that's accurate? Uh, well, you're really diving into lyrics. Um, I do. You
1: do. Uh, I mean, I don't want to like I don't want to burst your bubble too much, but the lyrics are usually the last part of the writing process. <laughs> and a lot of times <laughs> a lot of times they're just kind of put in really quickly like oh we do, you're not saying it. the lyrics are filler sometimes they're a little bit of just like what works here
0: okay honesty is coming through here
1: yeah I mean we do care like there are times where we definitely care but how I write and how everyone else writes is we like kind of scat over our songs we'll be like you know that kind of stuff like and we'll scream that way too we'll just make up random words random phrases and Then we add lyrics over top. So we're not actually like sitting on with pen and paper and and writing lyrics. We are oftentimes saying random words, random screams, and then going, crap, how do we add lyrics to this really cool phrase that we wrote that sits really well in the mix? The melody is awesome, but the words aren't there yet. So then we create the words. And sometimes they're a little bit, I would say, like, spare the moment. Like, we have to get this done. Um, procrastinating type style of of writing because it's always the last thing we do. Kyle usually comes in though, and and definitely does a good job of cleaning up like the grammar and and stuff like that. Because, but I'm not saying that there's not any intention there. I would just say out of if you had the if you had to rate our most like important parts of of a song, it would definitely go like the hook, the melody, the phrasing of the melody, and then the actual instrumentation. And then last would be lyrics.
0: So, yeah. Dawson, I totally hate you now because you (laughs) crushed my last question. Oh, okay. (laughs) What? Because it was all having to do with the lyrics on Falling Again.
1: Okay, so we can talk about this one because this one actually has meaning because this has been going on for four albums now, this one particular song. So we can definitely talk about that one. Okay. Cuz that that's excluded. That song in particular is completely excluded from everything I just said. So just throw everything I said out the window and we'll go to falling again.
0: Okay, so explain. You said it connects to all four albums. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I'm guessing you know because you seem to be very well informed of our discography, but this song which is a continuation of our song Goodbye So Long My Love, which is technically a continuation of a song called Goodbye Salong off of our very first EP. That was where it all started it was our very first EP we had. Just this one hook, Goodbye Salong. When we did Saloon we wanted to create a story that was basically about um, not knowing what was on the other side. Whether it was religion, if you believed in God, if you believed in something else beyond God, like it was more about a struggle with just knowing what happens after you die. Mm -hmm. And it starts out, you know, in Saloon with um, a married couple, and one believes that they're going to go to heaven, and the other person doesn't even believe in God at all. And so then it's like, will I ever see you again? Because you think that I will not ever see you again if you don't believe in what I believe in. And it's like that struggle. And then, you know, in Handmade, we made the song Falling, which is kind of like the continuation of that person still living on. Um, but still struggling to to know, like, is there anything beyond just this world? You know, and then Spirit Lake is the third one off of places, and that one is is very much into the same thing. It's just a continuation of of that, but also kind of like, do I just want to take my own life kind of thing, or like, what's the point? And you can kind of hear it in the sense that I, I think it comes down to like being very, very like lonely. And not having this person that you were married to and loved and then they passed away. And it's like kind of like this, like think of like the old guy on that movie Up from Pixar. Mm -hmm. Just really sad, just really bummed out about life and uh, can't really find hope because he's just he lost the most important person in his life, you know. And so it's just that kind of stuff, and there might be some lyrics spread out there that are more metaphorical, like that could mean other things to people. But like to me, that was kind of where those lyrics meant to me, and that's kind of where we went with it. So falling again, I think is, it's kind of a continuation, but it's 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 more of like a callback, and it's kind of, I think it sounds like the person gave up and basically killed themselves. They jumped into a lake and drowned. That's kind of like where. It sounds like it's coming from, but it's more of just a callback and trying to reference everything. But there's some metaphorical things, and I don't know how people will perceive it. I hope they perceive it in multiple ways. But it's kind of the, kind of the story of like where all that is.
0: What's interesting because you've sort of saved a faith aspect song as the closer for all the albums.
1: A little bit, yeah. I guess you could say it's it is faith-based for sure in some ways.
0: Yeah. Well, faith aspect, anyway. I know you've never taken on a a Christian band label because that really isn't where you're focused.
1: No, and I'm glad that you noticed that. I don't know if you've probably seen a couple posts I've made over the past six months, but yes, I I really hate getting clumped into a Christian like circle. It doesn't help that we're on a a label. I'm going to say this: a label that in the past has signed bands that are Christian. Solid State has never claimed to be a Christian label ever, but they are assumed to be and so every band that signs to them is assumed to be christian as well and it sucks because we've lost a lot of opportunities because of that stigma and you know some people say well you got to you got to wear it proud and blah 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 it's like no i don't want to wear it proud because i never wrote a, i never really have written songs about god sure this one song about someone not knowing if god's real or not or, or if someone something out there is is bigger than they are could be considered christian or faith based but it's not, it's, it's just talking about everybody's struggle with life. Every single person doesn't know what's going to happen when they die. None of us know. So, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a faith-based series of songs. But I do appreciate that you did mention that it's, it's not about Christianity with our music. We just write songs that we like. We write music that we like. And we live life however we like. And it doesn't really matter to anyone what we do in our private lives doesn't need to be brought into um, our music some of our members go to church who cares it doesn't mean that we're a christian band we're just a band that likes to write music <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay now you're going to be totally bummed out with me okay. because the tagline of the antidote is christian music that doesn't suck oh <laughs> is that really what it is seriously oh
1: my gosh okay that's fine that's fine i've already done enough like Christian interviews, so it's it's nothing. But I I think the fact that you are saying the things you're saying definitely is like great. And I have I'm have nothing against doing this. Doesn't mean that we're a Christian band or that's our focus. We are just a band that likes to make music and we might have members that are faithful to God in some way or another.
0: The whole intention of the antidote is to look at the art of music that's created by Christians. But it doesn't have to be overtly Christian. What I've explained to other people is that typically if somebody is a Christian, you're going to find some of that Christian faith aspect is going to come through on a song or some of the songs, or even the entire album. But if it's strictly out to evangelize, I'm not interested. Yeah, I want to talk about the art of the music and that's what we're talking about tonight. Yes, and I love it. I love chatting about this stuff. So,
1: I think you worded that awesome,
0: Dawson. I've been a longtime fan, so I got to tell you how much I really do love this new album. Thanks for coming to the antidote and sharing about it.
1: Well, sweet man, I really appreciate talking to you, and it's it's been fun.